to reflect God's relationship with us. It is a unselfish giving of one's whole self. That's why folk hopefully are tired when they're finished. <laughs> Amen. 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 <laughs> Never said amen to that before, Pastor. <laughs> and so thus, we've called it church sex because we're trying to merge the idea of God and our sexuality. And so I asked you a question. Let me see if you can remember. And we thank all those who are watching via the Internet who've been getting on my Facebook page telling me they're going to tune in tonight. Um, how do you know if you're sexually perverted? <laughs> when, when you think of sex, God doesn't somewhere come in in a short period of time in your thought process. God created sex. God wants to be in sex. And if you are, if you are sexual, you should be spiritual. Sexuality and spirituality, in God's mind, should have never been separated. But what, we, what has happened is the enemy has always taken the good things that God has designed, and he's messed them up. Come on, say amen, somebody. And the world would make you think that sex is always better outside of marriage. Matter of fact, when you watch television, you know, unfortunately, I have to be honest here, sometimes you see people in love and you say to yourself, oh, they ain't married. <laughs> Especially folk holding hands all in one another's face. Oh, they must not be married because married folk don't love on each other like that. And that's generally what has happened. The enemy has tried to steal the joy out of marriage and put all the joy before you get married or while you're not married or outside of your marriage. But that is an attack of the enemy, and we need to, and I, is anybody with me tonight? We have got to reclaim that which God has created for his kingdom so that our children and those of us in here whose minds are jacked up can get straightened out. Would you say amen? And I laid out for you, and this, this might be helpful to somebody, here are some ways. There are many of us who are struggling in this area of sexuality, and it doesn't matter how old you are. Some people, you know, kind of feel like, uh, you know, I'm too old. This don't even concern me. You still got a brain, don't you? <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Yeah, if you got a brain, yeah, you, you, if you have a brain, you're still sexual. And some, some folks might even say, Pastor, my stuff's not even working anymore. Guess what? If you got a brain, it's working. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The Bible teaches us that sexuality primarily starts and finishes with our brains. Just because you are genitally mature does not mean that you are sexually mature. Sexual maturity has to do with spirituality in our brains. Come on, say amen, somebody. How many of you are sexual? Raise your hands. <laughs> that was a trick question. Uh, are you any men in here? Raise your hand. Any men? Y'all scared? Okay. Any? Any? Are you any males in here? Anybody of the? When you go to the bathroom in the church, which bathroom do you go in? Okay. Any males in here? All right. Any females in here? All right. All right. That means you are a sexual being. Yes. God created you that way. If you are male, that means you are the male sex. Right. If you are female, that means you are. If somebody asks you what your sex is, you tell them that you are male or female. Now, let me tell you where that comes from. From a biological perspective, we were created as sexual beings. Sexual desires are not unholy. They came from God. Church fathers are the ones that started telling folk while they were having sex with, with nuns and everybody else that you should not have sex, that, you, that, that sex is the original sin. And thus that has trickled down in the church to the extent that when you start talking about sex, you can't get no amens. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and so if one is struggling in this area, here are six quick action steps. Six quick action steps for those who struggle with sex. Number one, you got to tell someone. And really this goes with any secret sin. Any secret sin, the first thing you must do is you must tell somebody. If you are struggling with anything in secret, tell somebody. Somebody say, yeah, I did. I'm going to tell the Lord. I'm going to tell him all my troubles. I'm going to tell him all my I'm going to take it to Jesus in prayer. Uh, amen. But how are you doing with your struggle? Look, I'm going to tell you right now, and this is going to shock some of you. You can pray to Jesus until you are blue in the face. But until you follow his word, you're going to stay in, you're going to stay in bondage. His word says... That if you struggle, he says, confess your faults to one another that you might be healed. The idea of accountability, Sister Melinda Woods, who runs our recovery program, and those of you who struggle in this area, we encourage you to be a part of that group. Uh, the idea of accountability is a godly idea. You can't, that's the only reason why God created marriage. Adam was by himself, 
God said, look, there's a tree. Don't touch it. Then after that, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. It, many of us are walking our spiritual journey by themselves and you don't have nobody that can check you. Nobody can tell you you're wrong. Nobody can encourage you to live godly and to live righteous lives. And many of us struggle because we struggle in secret and nobody can check us. Are you that deep that nobody, nobody, nobody can check you? Nobody? I'm checkable. I'm the pastor of this church. And I got all kinds of people that check me on a regular basis. Check me. Come on, say amen. Next thing you got to do after you tell somebody is you got to get involved with a treatment program. Now, you weren't expecting that one. That's not in the Bible, is it? Yeah, but it is. Yeah, you need to go to people that's gifted in this area to help you deal with stuff. Some of our stuff is so deep that we need to go seek help. Amen? Amen? Number three, create a porn-free or a sex, sexual, sexually triggered environment. You got you to gotta create a, an environment that's free of that. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Number four, establish 24 support and accountability. This is for any secret sin, whether it's sex or whatever. You need people around the clock, if you're struggling, that you can call in the midnight hour and say, pray with me. Wow. And those are real friends because you can't call everybody at 3 in the morning. Come on, say amen. First of all, if you go to bed, you're going to struggle at 3 in the morning. Say amen, somebody. Number five, take care of your physical and emotional health. There are some of you that struggle with various sins because you struggle with appetite. If you can't say no to chocolate, then you ain't going to be able to say no to looking at a woman's behind. It all falls together. If you can't, if you can't, look how y'all, y'all ain't, y'all ain't trying. If you can't stop eating sweets and you know you need to and you got sugar, <laughs> y'all know how we say, <laughs> and you got sugar diabetes, if that's you, then guess what? You might want to start getting your diet under control. I noticed that there's a direct connection between the discipline I have with what I eat and the discipline with which I have in everything else in my life. The very first sin that came in the world was first the sin of appetite. They fell to food, and after that, it was downhill from there. Yes, yes. So if you can control appetite, amen, then you can be able to control other areas of your life. Number six, start healing your sex. By the way, let me go back to this. Some of you need to exercise as well. Release that energy. Or release it on the treadmill. By the way. <laughs> Lift some weights. Amen. Come on, say amen. Take a walk. Take a jog. Some of y'all need to run and run real fast. Yeah, run, run until you drop dead. Amen. So you have no strength in you to do anything else. Praise God. But you have to take care of your physical and emotional health. That's what number six. Start healing your sexuality. What does that mean? First, the way that we heal is by the renewing of our what? Our minds must be renewed. And I can't, I keep telling you, many of us are just perfect. We're we nasty. We're we freaky, man. That's the bottom line. We, and listen, I'm telling you right now. And I'm gonna say, y'all know I'm going to be just as real as I can be. Church folk are the most freaky, the freakiest folk, nastiest folk in the world. Can I get a witness? You're a church boy. You know I'm telling the truth. So, you know, it, it amazes me how, I'm almost telling you, a lot of people double up to cover up. They try to overexert themselves to be holy because they're hiding stuff. And in the church, because it's not, it's not, it's not, it is taboo to talk about these things openly. We got a lot of people struggling. And that's why I, can, I mean, <laughs> I am not fooled anymore. I know our folks struggle. And, and age doesn't have anything. I'm going to talk about age tonight. Talk about uh, some of us older folk. Uh, number, uh, that was it. Number seven, have it. Yeah, Lord. Yes. Amen. Have a plan of attack. Have a plan of attack. Anytime you're trying to accomplish something, you must have a plan of attack. And we'll talk about this as we continue to go. The war zone is the what, everybody? The war zone is the what, everybody? It's the brain. If a child has been molested, it's not necessarily the physical pain that is going to plague them for the rest of their lives. What's going to really mess with them is their minds. If you have been sexually promiscuous in your past, even though your physical body is simply free from the behavior, your mind can't get rid of the memories. Listen, I love Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, I love Jesus. God has power, but he does not take away memories. That's true. That's true. You will have those memories for the rest of your life, but you must learn, Tamika, how to make them captive to the obedience of the word of God. Even though we cannot control what thoughts come in, we can control how we dwell on thoughts. And this is why it is so important for us to know the word of God. Some of you have already tuned me out because you're saying, I'm not a sexual, I, I, sex ain't my issue, I wish you stopped talking about it. 
Well, I know otherwise, but if you want to go there, this applies to everything spiritual. The problem with us spiritually is how we think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our minds are the war zone. It's the battleground. The enemy is waging war on our mind. The war is not in the Middle, in the Middle East. If anybody studies prophecy, you'll know there's nothing, nothing symbolic about Israel. If you read the book of Revelation, you will begin to understand that in the last days, the Satan is not battling for planet Earth. Satan is battling for our minds. It's an issue of what, everybody? Of worship. And, the, and the, the primary zone for worship is our heart and in our minds. The Bible says, how are you teaching the doctrines of men? And he says, but, but your hearts are far from me. The issue of worship is the issue of our hearts. That's why, woo, let me just get deep real here, and you know this, that's why worship and sexuality are always so connected. Why is it that musicians struggle with homosexuality? Why is it that preachers are always, well, there seems to be a connection with preachers and sweeping around? That, because if the enemy, this is deep, y'all, Sexuality and ministry have always been intertwined because there was a direct connection with worship and God's presence and an orgasm. I don't have time tonight, but I just throw that out there just to mess your head up. We'll talk about it in a few weeks. Uh, Romans 8.26 says this, and this is the good news. Uh, it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us. The Greek word for helps is the word Linda nurse. So whatever our issues are, and, this is, and all I'm saying, this, I'm saying this tonight, I know some of you, 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 had, a, you had a struggle and, and, you, and the Lord delivers you in two seconds. Praise God for you. But for most of us, our deliverance is a process. And in this scripture in Romans, uh, the Bible actually says that the Holy Spirit takes the role of a nurse he is a caretaker, and he nurses us in the process to recovery. We are all in recovery. Put your hands in the air and, be, and wave it like you just don't care. We are all being nursed to a place of holiness. Amen. Sex is not the problem, but lust is. Would you say amen? And we talked about how many of us are self-medicating. Now, if sex ain't your thing, you're medicating on something. Could be chocolate cake. Could be corned beef sandwiches. I don't know what it is. I don't know, it could be a cigarette. I'm not sure what it is. But everybody, it's our it is our natural, it's the natural propensity of human beings to be caught up in idolatry, which is to say, we are, we are always trying to find something easier to relate to than God, to take God's place, because we're not feeling like being as spiritual as we want to be, but we know we have this void in our lives that needs to be filled. So I, I, what I really need to do is sweep this thing out. I really need to take off work and just let, let this cold take its process, let these impurities come out of my body. I need to flush this thing with the water of the word of God, but, but instead I'm going to take some night and deal with the symptoms, but you'll take NyQuil for the next two weeks. All it's doing is dealing with the symptoms and people that are struggling in relationships and sexuality are simply self-medicating. They are, they are simply taking temporary measures to deal with an eternal situation. Thus the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they are mighty through God that are pulling down the strongholds. So tonight I want to talk about walk, run, and marry. Now, 1 Corinthians, and that's really all we're going to do tonight, is look at 1 Corinthians 5 through 7. I'm going to read the Bible tonight. But 1 Corinthians 5 through 7 gives to us some very real counsel on how to deal <laughs> with our relationships and our sexuality, amen? Uh, this whole thing of shacking up is what I want to talk about tonight. Now, most people say, Pastor, <laughs> this don't got nothing to do with church folk, all right? Well, you'll see. Shacking up is the whole notion of, you know, we live in a society now where you can try everything before you buy it. You know what I'm saying? I remember when I was a kid growing up, I used to notice that certain cultures, when they would go to the grocery store and they'd be in the produce section, man, certain cultures, y'all know who I'm talking about, they would be picking up grapes and tasting them. And I'd be like, like yo. You know what I'm saying? What was that about? And, and because they don't know what we, because they know what we don't know, their thing is, I ain't paying for this unless I taste it. Now, I'm not saying go in there and have a meal, but when you go to the farmer's market, they'll let you taste that thing before you get, before you get your produce. 
And we live in a society that says, well, test drive the car before you buy it. Nobody buys a car without driving it first. At least you shouldn't. I mean, before you buy a house, you look at the house first. You can test everything before you have it. And so when it comes to relationships, there is a notion out there now which simply says this, that I need full disclosure. And when I'm talking about full, I'm talking about full. <laughs> hey, Lord. I want full disclosure before I, see, because I came from a broken home. And I, and I saw my mom get divorced two times. And, and my grandfather was divorced from my grandmother and, and my uncle. And, and, and that thing has so scared me that before I get married, I don't want to be like my parents. So I'm going to try this thing out before I buy it. But see, that's the world's version of shacking up. There's a church version of shacking up. Now, in the world, they just go live with each other. Right? All right, can I tell you what the church does? Yeah. What the church does is, is they get as close to living together as possible without really living together. So I got my place because I'm grown. Now, see, I'm talking to the grown folk. See, you done been married before. You done, you done, you done got some children now. So your mindset is, we're talking about this today, the, the rules for me are a little different. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I've been, I done been there, done that. And, and, and I know how to control myself. I'm not like these little kids running around here with their hormones. Oh, well, according, according to, uh, uh, according to uh, most uh, medical uh, uh, experts, uh, most of us, our sexual peak reverses when we get older. After a midlife crisis, you go back to teenage years. Okay, no, you know, nobody's going to talk back to me in here. I know I'm telling the truth. Ask, my, ask Linda. Linda Bozeman will tell you. At the midlife crisis, some, and that thing flip-flops. The brother might be all into And next year, the wife, the wife. I mean, all kind of stuff happens. And what we need to understand is, what I'm noticing in the body of Christ is this, and I want to come against this thing tonight in the name of Jesus from the word of God. We as a church are doing exactly what the world is doing. We're just not calling it shacking up. We still have our own places, but we just spend the night at each other's houses. You know what I'm saying? We, I mean, we... we I mean, we walking around naked with each other in the house. We going on vacations together, many honeymoons with each other. Look, brothers and sisters, we are too involved too early, but we grown. See, I'm not talking to the young folks. I'm talking to y'all grown folk. You ain't can't nobody tell you nothing. They can't tell you how to date. You done been married before. And I know what I'm doing because I'm grown. But guess what? You still human. You still got a penis, you still got a vagina, you still got a brain. That's right. And just because you grown don't mean that you ain't subject to the passions of your flesh. And we are compromising and living like we marry and we not. And I'm just going to be real tonight. And the majority of us are not over the house praying with each other. We're not taking vacations to spend time in Bible study. You know, it's like an alcoholic, an alcoholic man that, that is trying to be set free and he goes around and hangs with his buddies that drink. The boy, he ain't gonna drink. It amazes me when people, and, and the, the scripture tells us when we deal with sexual sin, it says flee. It says do not put yourself in a position. And one of the things that the enemy tricks us to think is that we are stronger than we think we are. And so I can handle this because I'm, I'm grown now and can't nobody tell me what to do. And, and, and God has set me free from this. Look, I don't know how many times I fell in that area coming up as a young person simply because I had convinced myself that I had gotten the victory. Look, if you put yourself in a certain environment, you're going to fall. I don't care who you are. Dude, dude's over at his girlfriend's house, but he just came down for the appeal two weeks ago, and she's walking around, you know, with, with hardly no clothes on. He just goes, no, God is going to keep me. Dude, you're already, you're done. <laughs> you're already messed up. Come on now, somebody. Oh, he's going to take me. He's going to come into the, it's, I'm grown. I'm 30 years old. And my boyfriend can come and, and stay at my house till 12 and 1 o'clock at night. No problem. Oh, this is old school right here. I'm grown. Who got, look. I got two kids. How you going to tell me that I can't have my man at my house two, two and three in the morning? Well, I can't tell you anything. All I know is that you must put serious boundaries up for yourself because if you don't, you will fall. And I'm not talking like somebody who heard about it. I'm telling you, you will fall. 
60 to 70. And so church shacking, we don't really live together, but we just do it sometimes. We get as close as to living together as possible, but so nobody can say we're shacking up. Oh, come on in here, somebody. Nobody want to talk to me. Amen? Yo, it, it, and I showed you a few weeks ago, Christian couples are, I mean, and I'm talking about non-married folk, are having sex and they're justifying it. I'm grown now. We're in a committed relationship. We're about to get married. Well, you're about to go to hell. <laughs> 60 to 70% of couples today will share a residence before marriage. In the church, out of the church. 60 to 70%. This has increased 1,500% in the past 50 years. Marriage is on the decline, right? Less people are getting married. While cohabitation, divorce, and unmarried childbearing have increased. So I just sold you something right there. These people that say, which I'm going to show you in a minute, that shacking up is actually good for your relationship. So if it's good, why don't we have more divorce? Why don't we have more unmarried children? If it's working, why don't we have these negative results? This is the fruit of it. Let me move quickly. In the USA and in the UK, couples who live together are at a greater risk for divorce than non-cohabitating couples. This is independent research done by scientists who don't even believe God. And they have come to discover that if you shack up, it's a death sentence for your relationship. Couples who live together before engagement report, watch this, lower satisfaction in their marriages compared to married folk. In other words, it's saying this. If you are, and for the church folk, you're saying, well, I ain't shacking up. But for, for, for those of you, Lord, hear me tonight. Some of us who are older are more in danger of this because we are dating a little too intimately. Just because you are 35, 40, 50 years old does not mean that the rules for courtship do not apply to you now at this stage at life. The same rules that started in the beginning, you should utilize now. Uh, let me give you an example. I, I, I give three, well, I'll, I'll give it to you in a minute. I give three rules for courtship that must be followed. I don't care if you're 50 and you've been married twice and both your husbands died and you got grounds for marriage. And the crazy thing is some of, in the, some of these individuals in this category, these non-traditional singles, are setting poor examples for their children. Let's keep going. Couples who lived together before marriage tend to divorce early in their marriage. Did you hear that? If their, ma if their marriage lasts seven years, then the risk for divorce is the same as couples who didn't cohabit, co cohabit before marriage. In other words, a, a couple that shacks up and then gets married has to be married at least seven years before they get to the 50% rate of divorce. I'll break it down in a second. Uh, so I told you what cohabitation was, and I'm talking about from the... Shacking is a, is a... Here's some myths. Shacking is a stepping stone to marriage. This is what people say. Why should we shack? We should shack because it is a stepping stone to marriage. 50%, however, here's the truth, will end in a year. No, a year. The average marriage that gets divorced in, you know, because the average couple will get divorced, 50% of couples will get divorced in or out of the church. But that number doesn't, re doesn't get there until seven years. Follow what I'm saying? So if you're shacking and then you get married in the first year, there's a 50% chance that, you're that the marriage will end and you will go your separate ways. And, and I'm just going to throw this out here real quick. And we were talking about this at the restaurant today. We were talking, Pastor Coxon, Tammy, and myself. Let me tell you why. Just throw this little secret out here to you. When you get, the minute you say I do, everything changes. Now, brothers, you may not think it changes for you, but let me just talk from a male perspective, please. I'm not trying to be uh, um, discourteous or, or prejudiced, but I'm a man, so that's the only person. I'm telling you right now, my wife and I, we dated, and we dated God's way. We, 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 we did our thing. We had a great relationship, but I'm going to tell you right now, when I, when I declared before all them folk at Southeast with tears all in my eye from start to finish, I cried like a baby. Yes, I did. I'm going to own it. That's because I was thankful. Thank you, Jesus. 
Ah, I always cry. Come on, I'm just consistent. Amen. Amen. Yo, but I'm telling you, and, and she, she will have to own this. When I said I do, she became a different woman. Her expectations changed. She, her expect, she looked at me differently. It wasn't this my man, this my husband. Negro better get the trash. (laughs) He better listen to me. He better be there for me. He better handle his business. See, we let people get away with all kinds of murder when they're not our husband or our wives. But I'm telling you right now, especially for women, the minute they hear those words, you are my wife, the mindset changes. It's on. They could have been giving you sex on a regular basis without asking, without being a good boy. But the minute you get married, you have to put in some work, my brother. Thank you, Brother Preston, for that amen. Some of y'all single brothers don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm telling you right now, this is how the mindset of a woman works. I'm going to do the best I can, please. I wish to speak for women, but I'm just basing this on the research. Understand this. A woman will do what she has to do to secure her man. And what, even sometimes to the point of compromise, where she will give of her body, give of herself until she has the man. But once she has the man, she will shut down on that. At this point now, you're my husband. So now that you're my husband, you're going to have to do some stuff because you're my husband, not because we dating. I got you now. It ain't coming easy now. Come on in here, somebody. Number two, another myth about shacking. Shacking reduces the risk of divorce. Studies show that they are less sexually exclusive. Now watch this. People that shack first and then get married, generally their relationships break up because of adultery. You know why? Because they have trained themselves not to be committed. Next, did you catch that? All right, number three, shacking is just like marriage. That's the myth. Well, shacking folks tend to be more autonomous. So in other words, See, when you're shacking and you're not really married, people know that. You, can pretend, you cannot pretend to be married. Either you is or you ain't. Because those of us who are married, still trying to be married. Come on in here, somebody. I mean, if you're married, you're still trying to act married. <laughs> y'all, y'all missed that in here. When you're actually married, Joe, you, you're trying to do the marriage thing. Now, when you're not married and you don't really have to, why would you? Right. Let me, I'm going to tell you right now, if I was not saved, If I did not know Jesus, I would not get married knowing what I know now. What would I get married for if I ain't know Jesus? Marriage is a pain. It is it is painstaking work. I mean, there is so much self-denial. There is so much uh, growing. There is so much challenging of oneself. You are constantly having to look yourself in the mirror. You are constantly in a place of uncomfort. You are constantly realizing that there's stuff that you need to grow in. Why would I want to go through that if I ain't know Jesus? The reason why I'm married, I know this now, is because God put that woman in my life to help me to get saved. Marriage is not about happiness. It's about holiness. But when you are holy, God will give you happiness. Number four. In other words, shacking people are generally selfish. Number four, cohabitation is better than marriage. This is what they say. Married folk that should be have more money. This is studies. Studies show that married folk have more money. <laughs> married folk have better sex. According to all the research, married folk have better health. Do you realize that a black woman will live, I think, how many times, do you remember, um, Linda? But it, it is a ridiculous number. Black women and black men live an exponential amount of time longer when they are married as opposed to when they are not. If you are single, I'm sorry, if you are single, (laughs) African-American, as opposed to married folk, married folk generally live longer. All right, I'm just, uh, this is the research. But, but hey, but listen, 
There's nothing impossible with God, saints. Nothing impossible with God. Amen. Uh, married folk are less stressed out. And let me, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Look, especially a sister, when you are hoping, listen, I don't care who you are. I mean, there's some sisters, man, that try to, man, I really, I mean, I'm, I'm living with him and I'm cool with that. You, you're lying. You, I'm, look me straight in the camera. You are lying. You are lying. You are not even designed that way. A woman is built for commitment. And when a man strings her along for a long period of time, there will come a time where she will not take it anymore. Put a ring on it. She's waiting for the ring. I know some sisters that they shacking and oh, it's all good. We cool, you know. I mean, we just doing. I, we just doing. I'm just doing me, and he's doing him, and, and it works because you know he takes care of the kids, and, and we got this, and my money is this, and, and we got all these intertwining reasons as to why it's working. But if that sister is honest with herself, she wants to be married. What name me a woman that wants to sit around pregnant by herself with a boyfriend? <laughs> Come on and talk to me, somebody. Who wants to be pregnant? Listen, you already have a hard time with a husband when you're pregnant. I was trying to figure my wife out. That thing was a struggle. Come on, say amen. I mean, I remember what she had. What did you have cravings for, baby? I, I can't remember. She had, but look, man. I mean, you try. You a husband? I'm, I'm her husband. I'm her husband, and I'm trying to figure it out. And you a boyfriend? You don't have a clue. And you think she wants to be pregnant with a boyfriend by her side talking about push? <laughs> she want to be married. <laughs> oh, man. Married folk have better kids, by the way. Let me just throw this out here. This is for another time. But the greatest gift that you can give your kids. Now, this is where grace comes in. So know that I'm not trying to disparage those who cannot testify to this. But the greatest gift that you can give your kids is a committed family environment. All kind of research has been done on this. Number five, shacking, uh, <laughs> shacking makes no difference. That's what they say. Number one, key, kids need, what kids need is stability and commitment. All right, now here are the three O's of Christian courtship. Y'all ready for this? I've given you this to you before, but you clearly have forgotten. You know why? Because none of you single folk have brought me any of your uh, intendants. That's the first thing you're supposed to do. And I, I don't care if you're 70 and you're dating. See, look, yeah, let me tell y'all. Y'all, it's a dangerous thing. The, gro the grown, the old behind folk <laughs> think that the rules are different for them because they was married before. Can I tell you something right now? Just because you were married before does not mean that you are more prepared for the next marriage. How, how can you use the template for another individual, another man or woman, for this new person? I'm going to make a bold statement. There is absolutely, positively nothing that you can learn from another marriage that will help you with this particular individual. People don't like when I say that. They say, oh, my, how can you say that, Pastor? I, uh, you don't understand. I was married three times, and all three came. I learned three important lessons, and they all helped me and strengthened me for the next marriage. Understand now, if you're honest... You had to relearn this individual. You had to relearn this individual. And unless you married the dude's cousin, I mean, no, his, his, his identical twin who has the same everything as him, even in that case, he's different. It's almost like our children. You can't parent one child the same way you parent the other one. Here are the three O's. Y'all ready? And I'm going to read some scripture and let you go. Here are the three O's. Number one, this will keep you out of trouble, y'all. Observation. I have this thing. I'll give it to you if you want it. I'll email it. It's called three, it's, it's 275 questions that you should have answered before you go the distance with somebody. <laughs> 275 questions you should have. The first thing is observation. Before you start dating somebody, you need to observe them first. And I'm going to say this now, and I say this all the time. Those of you who are around me, you know you hear me all the time. The best way, and this is why we get in trouble in the sexual part. 
because we're trying so desperately to spend alone time with people. And Sister Harvey's been married for a long time. She, listen, the best way to learn people is not to get, by them, get together by yourself with them. Because all they're going to do is, especially when you're dating, they're going to put their best foot forward. How many, look, now there's some of y'all who are crazy like this. On the first date, you're going to be passing gas and not brush your teeth, have morning breath, you know, to be all unkempt, not dress nicely. I mean, who, who's going to do that? Yeah, yo, when you... <laughs> When you date somebody, when you, you're, trying to, you're trying to win them, you want them to see the best parts of you. It's not until you get married that you don't care no more. Come out, wake up early in the morning, got that old, now what is, sisters, help me out now. These gowns and these t-shirts, they've not been purchased at Victoria's Secrets. I know they haven't. Victoria's Secrets will never sell a dingy t-shirt with bleach stains on it you got rollers in your hair and these wrap things y'all wrap around your hair. Nobody knows you wear glasses and then you wake up in the morning got these thick glasses on and your brother is saying to himself, Lord God, I thought I married this woman in the picture. Who is this? <laughs> and then your boy gets up and didn't know he had body odor. You, how would you know that on the first date that the boy got body odor? He does. It's musty. And, 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 and has acne. He didn't know that. Huh? And his feet. Lord have mercy. When you take off whole boy socks, it looks like that there are a stampede of wild buffalo have run against his feet. Dude, on the first date, if you got jacked up feet, you're not going to come out with sandals on. Come on in here, somebody. <laughs> Y'all know I'm telling the truth. On day, matter of fact, here's the strategy. On the first date, you do everything you can to hide your flaws. I'm going for the sale. If I'm selling a product, I'm not going to tell you what's wrong with it. I'm selling myself. I'm going to show you everything that's good about me. And that's just like three things. <laughs> Observation, scrutinize people, study them, watch them, see them, see how they relate to their mother. See how, and it's amazing to me how people get married, then they get divorced. I didn't, I didn't see this coming. Where did the, I, he changed on me. No, he did not. Let, let me understand. People do not change. What happens is, is that circumstances and environments reveal inner character. People tell me all the time, oh, they got money now. Oh, they acting all brand new. Look, he got a new job now. Oh, look, he think he's a man. Uh, no, what happens is, and now that he got money, he can be who he really is. Observation. We want to date too quick. We want to get alone too quick. We want to spend alone time too quick. We want to get romantic too quick. And by then, you don't have to sleep with somebody. Your head is already jacked up. You're going to give them up. You, they in. People are always worried. Oh, they were, they were I, I'm talking, I'm trying to counsel with a brother right now who is, who is having an emotional affair with another woman and he is married. They have never had sex. But I said, listen, brother, you got to cut this thing off. I said, you got to cut it off. He says, I can't. He's never slept with her. It's the mind. You got to observe. How do we do that? Get them in groups. Get them around people. Get them in situations. You got to observe. You got to see folk in environments. Get them upset. Take them off. Then watch. Sometimes don't do what they always ask you to do. Say no and see what the response will be. And then when you start seeing selfishness come out, you'll be like, that's all I need to see. And guess what? You've lost nothing because you've not put, you have not put much in. You're just observing. Many of us have lost so much in relationships because we put too much in too soon. What's the hurry? My girl, Ellen White, says, she says, when you start dating, come to my and talk about this today, and Tammy, she says, if you were praying once a day, she says, the minute you start dating, start praying seven times a day. And God, 
This is why I will not buy from anybody. And I was, I was shocked. Well, if you were shocked, it's your fault because you got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell you stuff about people. Can I get a witness in here? If you get shocked by anybody, the Holy Spirit will tell them you got, they got bad breath. I mean, they're just dousing Listerine. Holy Spirit will tell you there's a reason why they always got Listerine on their breath. <laughs> you wake up one morning and be shocked. Halitosis kill your behind. Spirit will tell you. <laughs> Number two. So there must be intense scrutiny. Number two, outcome. Let me tell you right now. Do not date for any purpose except for marriage. Only date marriage material. People say to me all the time, well, Pastor, uh, uh, that's, so, that's the reason why I'm dating, so I can see if they're marriage material. You don't have to, you don't have to sleep with them to find that out. You don't have to be always alone with them to find that out. Watch they behind. Watch them. See them in fire. You don't have to give the cookies away. You taking vacations with them. Don't. Look for marriage material. Let me throw this out. Uh, last, last point, most important. Oversight. Can I tell you what really helped me in our relationship? Me and my wife can tell you right now, we had straight up oversight. In other words, my mom and her mom were involved in the process. My mom put the blessing on her. Her mom put the blessing on me. And we have open relationships with our parents to the extent, see, many of us, when we date, we're always in secret. You, you roll up this, uh, yo, so, so I saw you kicking with an old girl. Oh, man, we not. We just chilling. Watch out for the chiller. <laughs> the person that's chilling is a liar. And they are too private to want you in their business. And these are the individuals that always end up busting their behinds on their relationships because they don't get not only observation, they don't, and they're focused on marriage, but they don't have oversight over who do you have, what mentor do you have in your life that knows everything about the terms of the relationship so that you can get godly counsel. And, and here's the problem with, old, with older folk who are dating. Who are on the scene, and we have more of that now. Non-traditional folk are dating in our fifties. Some of us in our forties. Some of us in our thirties. Some of us even in our sixties. And we looking around. We we trying. We our thing is, oh, I'm I'm grown. Whew. If you're fifty, your mindset is, look, I was married to somebody for thirty years. Who gonna give me oversight? I'm gonna tell you right now. Just cause you old. And you've been around. You don't know that dude. If the game is new. Am I right, sister? The game starts all over again. And you need some sisters in your life that can say, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It amazes me. I see folk coming to church and they got somebody with them. And, hey, what, and you see them over and over again. So we'll say, hey, man, what's going on? Oh, ain't nothing going on. We just chilling. And look, and they screwing. Right? Right. You can tell. You can tell. Everybody's like, oh, my God. He said screw. That's, what they, that's exactly what they're doing because they're not having sex. They're not having godly sex. I won't even call that sex. There's bodies slamming against each other. And no, ain't no Shekinah glory coming over that. Ain't no angels praising God over that. Is that too real? Y'all talk like this when y'all not here? You can tell. My wife and I talk about this all the time, especially we see, we see young couples and, and whatnot. I was talking to one such friend, and, and, and I, I'll ask. I'm, I had no, I said, are y'all having sex? And I'm telling you right now, if you come to me for counseling, I'm going to ask you a, a, a number of questions, and one of them will be off the top. Are you having sex? And I can tell. Y'all too familiar with each other. 
they all up in each other's face acting like married people? What are y'all doing? Even married folk don't even do that. I mean, you can tell when they're not married. I mean, they just go overboard with the chivalry. I mean, he's been there. You can tell. Observation, outcome, oversight. Let's end with a scripture. Amen? Let's end with a scripture. I want to read just a scripture. I'm not going to even allow. Look, I'm not going to even make no points on it. I'm not going to even make no points. I just want to read it. <laughs> hey, put this one up on the screen. <laughs> go to 1 Corinthians. Seven. New International Version. Can I just read it? I'm just going to read it. That's it. We'll apply it next week. <laughs> Let me read. And y'all get and y'all digest it. The Bible says, now for matter, matters, this is Paul. Now for matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to marry. But since there is so much immorality, screwing, that's what it says in the Greek. I'm joking. Each man should have his own wife. Somebody shout his own wife. <laughs> and each woman, her own husband. Somebody say own husband. Why? Because there's so much immorality. You need to get married. Verse 3, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. And likewise, the wife to her husband. Now, this is not talking about chores. Amen. The wife, I told, that's why I promised I wouldn't say anything. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Praise his name. Everybody there? Amen. 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 Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, a headache does not count as prayer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I was a totally a joke, totally. Help me, Lord. Number six, I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all men were as I am. Paul was single. But each man has his own gift. Amen. From God, one has a gift, has this gift, and another has that. Verse 8, now to the unmarried. Are y'all listening now? All the unmarried. And the widows. You there? It is good for them to stay unmarried. May the Lord add a rich blessing to the reading of his word. <laughs> Pastor Coxon, would you say Amen. Say it. Say it right now. This is the word of God. <laughs> to the married, help me, Lord. To the married, the married, she said, he says, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. This is what Paul is saying. But if <laughs> they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To the married, I give this command, not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband. But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. To the rest, I say this, I, not the Lord. <laughs> What's in the Bible now, Paul, so it's the Lord. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer, he is willing to and is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. No amens. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. And the we'll talk about this next week. And the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. As it is, they are holy. 
But if the unbeliever leaves, let him go. A believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in what, everybody? How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Verse 17, nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is the rule I laid down in all the churches. Go on down now to verse, well, let's say eight, verse eight. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised? He should not be uncircumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each one should remain in the situation he was in when God called him. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord is the Lord's freedman. Similarly, he who was free man when he was called is Christ's slave. Verse 23, you were brought with a price. Do not become slaves of men, brothers. Each man as responsible to God should remain in the situation God has called him. Now, here we go. Now about virgins. I have no command from the Lord. But I give you, but I give a judgment as one whom by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are. Verse 27, are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I will spare, and I want to spare you this. I mean, right there. Uh, let's pray for Paul right now. Father, help Paul in Jesus' name. Amen. Understand, there's, there's one big main point I want you to see from this. Your boy was like, I don't, some scholars suggest maybe Paul was married and was a widow. But your boy was like, look, man, marriage is so deep. If you cannot handle it, you stay where you are. Next point. If you're single, it doesn't mean you don't have no life. If you're burning with passion, seek to get married. God will provide that. At the end of the day, his emphasis is that sex is not everything. What matters is obeying God. So we go back to where we started. The reason why we have so much brokenness in our relationships is because we are compromising, thus saith the Lord, in preference to our feelings. Father in heaven tonight. Many of us are weak, God weak. We see other folk marry. We see other folk with somebody. We're lonely. We want to share our lives with somebody. Then there are those of us, God, who just, God, we are in the prime of our sexual lives and our hormones are raging. We are saved. We are sanctified. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. But God, we are hungry for physical intimacy. God, I pray right now for all these categories. There are those, God, who are older now and they feel like things have changed for them, but God, they still must obey your commands. God, your plan for us is that the marriage bed would be holy and undefiled and that relationships would bring joy and happiness. But in our world, our kids are saying, I don't want to get married because marriage is bad. God, praying right now that you will Renew our minds. There may be somebody tonight that just wants to stand in commitment to the Lord. I don't know what God said to you.